book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And we're just going to do verses 1 and 2 to kind of start off with uh, today. And uh, these are very familiar verses, but I, I think that they can get us in the place we need to go. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, as King James here this morning, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So one of the things I really want us to think about over the next few weeks is I want to get the church out of the building. Okay? (laughs) Now, we have an incredible facility, and I'm so thankful again for all the help we had yesterday, but it's every time you come here, there's something else that you realize that needs to be worked on, right? If you walk in a room, you're like, I got to do this room. Yesterday, um, Ray was having some issues with his weed trimmer. And the next thing you know, after we flipped all these breakers and he did some rewiring stuff, he got his weed trimmer working. But then I also noticed the lights in the janitor's closet were actually working again. (laughs) I was like, okay, another thing with this building, you know, right? When you have buildings, you have all these things. And what we can get wrapped up in, at least what's hard for me, is sometimes we can get wrapped up in all of the maintenance of the building, but not maintaining our spiritual lives, and the lives of the people that we know. And so my challenge is going to be to you a lot in this series is what it looks like for you to get out of of the building. Uh, I hope for some of you this might turn your thinking just a little bit upside down. And again, I, I know we know this, but I really want it to become our heartbeat that the church is not a building. It is not a place. The church is a people on a mission from God. And so a term that you're going to hear me use, and this is, it's kind of a, a little dated term now, but for a while it was kind of a very contemporary term. It was called missional, a missional church. And it basically all that simply means is it is a church on its mission, a church of, that is living out the life of what it is to be a, a disciple. Really, I think what hit me kind of most of all, again, what kind of got me geared up in this thinking again was Michael had sent me a text a few weeks ago, and he was someone, the idea behind the text was, well, discipleship happens on the ball field, not in the classroom. <laughs> All right. And I'm afraid that sometimes we think discipleship is, and don't get me wrong, I'm a person who loves everything we do in this place probably more than most, but we think it's Sunday school or Wednesday night or the lessons or whatever. And those things are really important. But really, the practice of all that knowledge happens out on the field. And I'm afraid for some of us, it doesn't ever get to the field. It just stays in the classroom, right? Are any of you practice players? Well, I was, okay, you're going to love this about me. You young guys hang in there, and ladies too. In sixth grade, I was a phenomenal basketball player. I made the basketball team at my sixth grade elementary school. I just thought I was something. We had our own rim and backboard in our yard. And I just thought that was, you know, I'd shot all the time. I'd shoot at night, whatever. Seventh grade came around and came for tryouts. And guess who was too afraid to try out? 
right? Me, okay? I didn't try out in seventh grade or eighth grade or ninth grade or 10th grade or 11th grade or 12th grade. I go off to Bible college, small school, about 300 people. I'm going to give this a shot. I've been playing basketball for all these years. I made the college basketball team. I went from being a sixth grader to a college player, never played anywhere in between. And so when it came to half court games, because again, I, that's all I had at my house was a half court, I actually was pretty decent. And I remember playing pickup games at college and this one kid came up to me one time and he knew I was playing on the college team, but I never hardly got to play at all. Most of rode the bench most of the time. And when I played this one game we called 36, it was basically once you made it, you got the ball back and you played until the first person scored 36. And I was schooling this kid and he was a pretty good little player. And he's like, why don't you ever do this in the game? Practice player, right? And what I'm trying to challenge you guys today is sometimes I think some of us in the church are practice players. We need to get out and make sure that we're on the field. All right. A clear picture of the word missional, just so that we're on track this morning. You guys bear with me. We're going to go a lot of places, and what I need you to do is not listen to me, but listen to the Lord today. And so be in prayer, even as you're hearing things that the Lord will guide your thinking. What, again, is this term missional? So this is from Rick Meigs. He says, Jesus told us to go into all the world and be his ambassadors. But many churches today have inadvertently changed the go and be command to a come and see appeal. We've grown attached to buildings, programs, staff, and a wide variety of goods and services designed to attract and entertain people. Missional is a helpful term used to describe what happens when you and I replace the come to us invitations with a go to them life, especially that word life is really important today. A life where the way of Jesus informs and radically transforms our existence, again, out of our passage today, to one wholly focused on sacrificially living for him and others where we adopt a missionary stance in relation to our culture. It speaks of the very nature of what it means to follow Jesus. All right? You guys, this is where I'm just pushing on you today. We need to get out of here and go and be. Especially in a smaller church, that's how we're designed. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus out. And what you're going to find out is when you get out and you get into the jail and you get into the homeless ministry and you get into the nursing home and you get into the servant's heart food ministry and you get to the pregnancy care center, you're going to be praying, I must tell Jesus, because you need the Lord then because you don't know how to do these things without the Lord's help. All right. So that's what I'm going to be pushing on you for the next few weeks. If I can word it another way, we need a lifestyle and not just a club, all right? Here's a good example from someone we all know, Mr. Billy Graham, right? In 1982, the Today Show in New York City scheduled an interview with Reverend Billy Graham, and when he arrived at the studio, one of the program's producers informed Graham's assistant that a private room had been set aside for the Reverend for prayer before the broadcast. The assistant thanked the producer for the thoughtful gesture, but told him that Mr. Graham would not need the room. Well, the producer was a bit shocked that a world-famous Christian leader would not wish to pray before being interviewed on live national television. Graham's assistant responded, well, Mr. Graham started praying when he got up this morning. He prayed while eating breakfast. He prayed on the way over in the car, and he'll probably be praying all the way through the interview. <laughs> Again, a lifestyle, 
not just a program or a project or an event. That's what I'm trying to, to work with us this morning. Again, what I want you to know the next few weeks is work on that lifestyle. And I want your practices and your disciplines to develop your lifestyle. So kind of like muscle memory for an athlete, I'm hoping that by encouraging you to practice, you can turn them into habits and turn them into a lifestyle. Everybody know muscle memory? You know what I'm talking about there, right? Okay. You do the same thing over and over and over again. And the next thing you know, you don't even have to think about it, right? This old man was playing tennis with his daughter last weekend. And like, it was so funny how that works. It's like riding a bike or whatever. I get that racket and then I know like, I've done this a thousand times. So I know how to cert and it comes back to you. <laughs> In your Christian life, if you'll practice those habits and disciplines, they'll be there when you need them. Again, this another good way of thinking about this is like losing weight. Anybody in here ever tried to lose weight? Do not raise your hand. You can think about losing weight. You can talk about losing weight. You can talk about losing weight with others. You can even go on a diet or the bottom line is what you could do is choose a healthy lifestyle. Right? We've all been there, okay? <laughs> we know what the, the end line is this, but we do the same thing at church sometimes with our Christian life. You can think about it. You can talk about it. You can even have special events to try to help get it jump-started. But what we need is the lifestyle. We need the church to leave the building. That's what's got to happen. And in many ways, you guys are already doing that. But I want to encourage you, especially as we're trying to develop in the Lord, to do that. So what again, what I want to do is I want to, you to be in prayer that God will challenge your heart about living a missionary lifestyle as we serve him through the glorious church. All right. While we practice certain disciplines like worship and prayer and giving and service at church each week, well, again, what I want you to think about is are you experiencing these things outside of the building each and every day? Are you just coming to church or will you be the church? I think you're getting it, right? You're like, I've said it 12 different ways, but I really want it to sink in. G.K. Chesterton says this, we do not want, as the newspapers say, a church that will move with the world. What we want is a church that will move the world. In order to do that, we have to get out. All right, let's jump into the text. Go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let's work our way through the scriptures this morning. To be the church through worship. Paul writes, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view or in light of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When you think about worship, what comes to mind? Believe it. Okay, good. Believe it in God. Great. What for a lot of my life, when I think about worship, what came to my mind was a really good band in church and raising your hands. Right? I thought that's that's kind of what the ultimate worship must be that, right? Uh, so for some people, worship is a very quiet and solemn and candles and that kind of thing, right? But for a lot of people, when they think of worship, all they think about is this kind of space. And there's nothing of that right in here. As we look in Romans 12, we're going to see that probably the first thing <laughs> that when we think about worship, what should come to our mind is an altar. Hmm. And I'm always challenged when I think about one of the greatest acts of worship ever was Abraham when he goes to offer his only son on an altar. 
And there's not really any dancing or shouting or proclaiming. That was all about obedience, wasn't it, right? And that is what should drive our worship. Again, straight from the text, I urge you, Paul says, this is not a little thing. He's saying, please hear me out. In view of the mercy of God, anybody in here today ever benefited from the mercy of the Lord? Right? The Lord has been good. We talk about so much on Wednesday night. How can we so often just fall back into a state where we don't trust the Lord when he's delivered us a hundred times? Paul says, in view of God's mercy, listen up, I want you to offer yourself, to give of yourself, to look beyond yourself. Again, Michael's illustration this morning was so awesome because his mind was like, I'm the leader, I got to do this. And God's like, no, you need to offer yourself to me and I'll tell you what you got to do. And today we need to think through those things. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Eugene Peterson, a sacrifice is an offering placed before the Lord so that he can make something of it. Once offered, it is in God's hand to do with what he will. It is no longer in your hands to improve a little more. His will is to work with offerings, not your perfections or your press clippings. Just leave it. Leave it. You have lived your day. Now leave it on the altar as an offering. Amen. This offering is to be what? Holy and acceptable. Holy and pleasing. Here, here, this is kind of tricky for me because I'm not a big thing into rules. But God has rules about worship, doesn't he? Just ask ask Uzzah. We're getting the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to take it back. We're finally going to take it back up to Jerusalem. All the guys get out. They get the rods on their shoulders. They're getting ready to, to walk it. They take a few steps. The ark starts to flip over, and what happens? Uzzah's like, I got this. I'll take care of it. And the rule was, you don't touch the ark. Everybody knew that. That was the rule about God. It's a holy God. You don't touch the ark. He'll take care of himself. And he reached out. He touched the ark. And what happened to him? He died. And most of us would be like, well, God, he was just trying to help you. And sometimes we're that way in worship. Well, God, I was just trying to help you. I was going to make it better. I was going to improve it. <laughs> and God's like, you've got to obey. You've got to obey. How about Moses, right? Well, I'm going to make the water come out. I'm so sick of these people. I don't, almost don't blame Moses, <laughs> right? He was so sick of those people. They're complaining. They're whining. And yet he decided to do it his way. And God said, well, that's going to cause some consequences for you, Moses. You don't get to enter the promised land. The same thing with worship this morning. So we've got to trust the Lord, even our worship. So give me a, a few things here to think about. Obeying God is not a nice offering check. That's not your worship. Obeying God and not a beautiful vocal solo or a piano instrumental as your worship. Obeying God is your worship. Obeying God, not a poetic prayer or masterful sermon is your worship. Worship is first and foremost about adoring and then obeying the Lord. That's where we need to be today. A worshiper is someone who lives for and obeys God every day of the week, not just Sunday. First thing this morning, has your worship left the building? Anybody here worship God on Monday? How about Thursday evening? How about Wednesday, the middle of the week? That's like the hardest, right? (laughs) You guys, we need to be worshiping God for the church to be the church outside of the building. We need to be worshiping the Lord every day. All right, second thing this morning. Being the church through transformation. Look down at verse two. 
Again, very simple, clear things, commands you've known a long time, but let them sink into your heart this morning. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Many times when I think about transformation, I think about what happens in this building. Again, church building and classes and routines have been a huge part of my life, and that's what's developed a lot of my thinking. But what we've got to talk about here this morning is getting that growing and that transformation outside of the walls of this church. If growing is really going to happen, it's got to happen outside the church house or our lives will not be changed. I mean, it is tremendous to come and share together. This morning has been great to encourage each other. But we've got to learn outside of Sunday school or Bible study. Let's think about this question this morning. What if you were an instrumentalist and you only practice your instrument at your lesson once a week? Anybody else ever dread going to the piano teacher? (laughs) I hated it. And occasionally there had been a week where I just completely forgot and my mom didn't make me do it. So I didn't do it. And I went from the one Tuesday to the next Tuesday and I showed up to play a song that she had assigned me and I tried to sight read it and it was terrible and she just went up and down me. Right? Would I improve if I only practiced at the time that I was supposed to be with my teacher? Uh, for uh, some of you folks around here a little more into the sports world, uh, when you think of Peyton Manning, one of the best QBs around here, how good would he have been if he never practiced throwing the ball, but he just showed up for the games? <laughs> right? And here's what I'm saying. For some people in the church, they're only showing up for Sundays. We need the practice. Here, what we, the scripture says, we need to not be conformed and we need to be transformed again look at the verse again if you want to grow look at the verse again do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind stop conforming really is pretty easy here on sunday right we're taking time to really think and focus on god's word we're hearing from each other encouraging each other i'm I'm doing the things the lord's directed me today this is not so bad sometimes here to stop conforming the time you've got to practice stop conforming is Sunday night or Monday morning, right? That's when you have to say, everybody else in the world is doing this, but I can't do that. I've got to stop that. And then the next thing I love is be transformed. He didn't say transform yourself. He said be transformed. It's passive. Are you catching that? You've got to let the Lord do the work on you. How many of you try to do the work yourself? Probably last week. I was still trying to do the work myself in some ways. And the Lord has to correct me on that. This is such a great passage to remind us, let the Lord do the change. Let him make the change in you. Quit trying to change yourself. How are you going to do that? Renew your mind. And hopefully as you come in here and you have a Sunday school class, you have a Wednesday night class, and you have church together, the Lord renews your mind then. But we're not talking about that today. Are you allowing the Lord to renew your mind beyond just the Sunday? What are you putting in your mind tomorrow when you get home from work? What are you putting in your mind right before you go to sleep every night? Let the Lord challenge you this morning to renew your mind. Again, you've got to do that more than once a week. Okay, third one. 
this morning, the last one this morning. Be the church through doing the will of God. And you might say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. We got the answer for you. It's real easy right here. <laughs> All right. Look down again, if you would, there, into verse 2. Paul says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's what happens when somebody stops conforming. They renew their mind. They've given themselves up as a living sacrifice on the altar. Then guess what happens? Then they start hearing the Spirit's voice and they know what he wants them to do. As a preacher, it gets really frustrating sometimes with my own self but with other people as well. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Well, have you been reading the scriptures this week? No, I ain't got time for that right now. <laughs> oh, I don't, but I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Tell me, preacher, what's the Lord want me to do? Well, have you been praying and seeking and asking? I don't, I don't know. But I mean, you know, I might pray at lunch or something. But yeah. <laughs> um, tell me what the Lord needs me to do. Well, have you been in any type of service? Have you been out trying to be his hands and feet? Have you been loving on your neighbor, loving on a coworker? Have you been helping somebody in need? Oh, I'm just way too busy for that. I got a lot of bills to pay. Oh! <laughs> as a preacher, as a leader, that's one of the most frustrating things. The Lord said it's pretty simple. You want to know his will? Quit taking the sacrifice back up the altar. That's the problems with living sacrifices, right? They like to get off the altar again. Quit doing that. You gave it to God, let him have it. Quit conforming to the world. Start renewing your mind and let the Lord make the change. And then you'll be able to determine what his will is. His good, perfect, pleasing will. Amen? That's how it works. Today, you as you're sitting there, even ask the Lord to help you. It's hard to stop conforming sometimes, isn't it? Right? It's tough. I'm not saying it isn't. It's hard to let the Lord make the change. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. No, I need to renew my mind and I need to let the Lord make the change in me. When we will, in view of God's mercy, in view in the light of the things he's done for us, when we'll give ourselves to him and then stop conforming, renew our mind so we can be transformed, then we can know. When you lay aside your desires and your wants for God's wants, when you daily discipline yourself to grow in God's ways, then you can test and improve and approve and know how to serve. You can know the will of God. I think this is the scripture that proves it. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know what it is and something mysterious. And especially when we're younger, we're trying to find God's will for our life. We think that there's this only plan A and it's all gonna have to happen exactly this way. You know, As you grow up and get older, you realize that God's got all kinds of fingers <laughs> in the plan, right? But we need to trust the Lord in order that we can know the will of God. All right. We've got to do our service outside of the building. My challenge again this week is, who are you going to serve this week? And I want to brag, and I'm not going to brag on specific people, but I, there are people in this room today that have really motivated me by your service to kind of random people in your life. There are some people in here who've had friends that have been through horrible cancer and they have stuck with them for years at a time. And sometimes, especially in the church, we can get a little judgmental. Well, they never go to the jail. That's what I do. Oh, these guys think they're tough. They never go to the jail. They don't love the Lord like I do. Right? Well, they never go to the homeless ministry. 
What's their deal? And then I run into somebody that the Lord just, he says, get that plank out of your eye. (laughs) Because they've been spending years loving people, going through great pain in order that they could be God's hand and feet to those people. I'm not here to tell you what your service to the Lord is, right? But I am here to encourage you to make sure that that service is leaving the building. It should not be staying here. All right. Jim Elliott, you guys know Jim Elliott? And Wendy and I were even talking about him this week in light of the FedEx stuff. But Jim Elliott and his friends were missionaries to, uh, I think it was Aka Indians. They flew in to a group of people had never, ever heard the gospel. They learned their language, and they were delivering the gospel to them. And actually, Jim Elliott and some people on his team, they actually did have guns. But these Indians later came in, these these natives came, and they took the lives of Jim Elliott and his team members. And they could have retaliated, but they didn't because they viewed their eternal destiny of these people greater than their temporary life. That's tough stuff, right? Talk about discipleship. That sounds kind of like Jesus, though, doesn't it? And Jim Elliott said this, another quote of his, I just thought was so good and kind of resonates with me. He said, I have found that the most extravagant dreams of boyhood, right? What do you dream when you're being a boy, right? Winning the NBA finals, right? Or throwing in the Super Bowl. Jacob tells me about being a Navy SEAL, how that's going to all work out, right? Those boyhood dreams, (laughs) right? He says, I have found that the most extravagant dreams of boyhood have not surpassed the great experience of being in the will of God. And I believe that nothing could be better. And this is a man who gave his life. If you guys, not to spoil the end of the story, but this whole Indian tribe comes to Christ through everything that happens with Jim Elliott and his friends in their lives, all right? Okay, let's wrap it all up real quick this morning. If you want to live a Christian, if you want to live a Christian lifestyle and not just be part of a Sunday event, then your faith has got to get out of the building. And so for the next few weeks, that's what I'm going to really challenge you on is getting your faith out of the building. And also, there's no greater joy than knowing and doing the will of God. All right. To summarize this morning, this is going to be the only Sunday, hopefully, that you're not going to get an invitation. In the next few weeks, I'm going to give you a specific invitation to challenge. But as we look back through the text, first thing this morning, obey. That's worship. It's not singing a song. It's not just raising your hand and shouting. It's obeying what the Lord has for you. Today, figure out what God wants. Do it. That's obey. Second thing this week I want you to work on, stop conforming. Again, not my words, the Lord's words. Stop conforming. Okay? You're going to have chances this week where the world's going to say, you need to look like this, but you know the word says don't do that. And what we're saying simply, this is on you. You're going to ask for the Lord's help, but this is stop conforming. And then this week, be transformed. You allow the Lord to change you. Don't change yourself. You allow the Lord to change you by renewing your mind. And finally, because if you're doing the first three things, you will know the will of the Lord, and then you can cycle everything back through, right? You know what the Lord wants of you, then you obey. And then what I'm telling you this morning is when you do that, there will be no greater joy than when you do those things, okay? All right, you guys, I want us all to be disciples of Jesus outside of the building. And that's the game plan for us for the next few weeks, okay? 
This morning, we're just going to have prayers. Let's go ahead and stand. We won't have invitation this time. I want to challenge you to think that way. What I hope to do, Lord willing, is we're going to be talking about some of these disciplines that help make disciples over the next few weeks. And I'm going to try to give you a very specific thing for you to to put your faith into practice in regards to that discipline. But most importantly, instead of listening to the preacher, is you need to hear where the Lord is challenging you, right? Some of you are great at giving, but you're lousy at renewing your mind. Some of you are great at witnessing, (laughs) but your prayer life is really poor. Some of you guys study the word of God, it's like unbelievable. But when it comes to being hospitable, you're like, I'd just rather be by myself. Okay? And so what I'm hoping the Lord will do over the next few weeks is develop us as a whole. All right? Let's go, Lord, in prayer, and then we'll have our announcements and we'll be done for today.